Kelsey and welcome to the Anima Atlas podcast where you'll be joining me in driving discussions to bring the conversation of sustainability to the forefront of the fashion industry. So I want you guys to imagine being a 26 year old young entrepreneur roaring to go and you're in the middle of building the best fashion empire you possibly can. You've quit your nine to five to work in your own amazing studio in downtown Dallas. You're currently stocked in five stores and was named designer to watch by so many fashion publications. Then suddenly you got a phone call where you were told your car was going to be repossessed. Then slowly you realize your self-destructive relationship to fashion was what ironically crumbled your fashion empire down. This is the story of Isabel Varela, And boy, have you guys got a story this week. Welcome back if you're tuning again this week. It's so nice to have you guys around again. And if you're new here, then a very big one welcome. Just to quickly reintroduce myself, I'm Chelsea, founder of sustainably driven streetwear brand Anima Atmos, and your podcast host today on the AA podcast, which is a safe space where we can sit down each week and connect with other like-minded designers, brands, and all sorts of other creatives within the sustainable fashion world to drive these open and chilled conversations about sustainability. So how does one go from being a successful fashion entrepreneur to getting into a massive $100,000 debt? So intense, I know. Isabel is joining the AA family this week where she'll be sharing how she went from being a fast fashion addict to a sustainable fashion advocate. Honestly, this has been one of the most incredible and inspiring conversations that I've had on the show. And just like any sort of addiction, it's so inspiring to hear what lengths and what emotions people go through to overcome this within themselves. So Isabel also released a really, really cool short documentary, which I will share on the pod notes, which is going to be available on our website. And I swear it takes a lot for me to cry, but When I watched her documentary, I really connected with her on so many levels. There were certain things that she went through that I really connected with. And honestly, there's just so many layers to fashion that people don't realize, you know, like it affects us all on such an emotional, physical, mental, and even spiritual level. Fashion has always been known to be part of people's identities or a tool to avoid an insecurity. And even with Isabel's story she'll be talking a little bit about why she got breast implants so that she could look better in clothing and you know all these connotations which are just some of the things that we'll be talking about today. So on top of that exhibition she's also done so much incredible work. One of my favorites was her entire fashion exhibition which she curated herself and I just love the way that she uses art as a medium to share and to engage other people with her story and her journey and what Isabel really believes in is that the more she shares her story the more she's able to connect and help other women identify and evaluate their relationship to fashion and not feel like this is a lonely process. So without further ado, I am so excited to be sharing this conversation with you guys. So please do join me in welcoming Isabel Varela. Hey Isabel, welcome to the Anima Animus podcast. I'm so excited for you to join our little AA family today. 
Thank you so much, Chelsea. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Amazing. So we always start off our episodes with a little game and it's called AA Assumptions. So that's when I ask you three statements or three assumptions rather, and you can reply if you think it's true or false and why. So are you ready? Ready. So the first one is retail therapy is an actual thing. So I'm going to say true because it is. Do I agree with it? Absolutely not because I've... (laughs) (laughs) because with retail therapy it's almost a way of enabling people to instead of looking at what why they're really feeling sad upset and looking at their emotions it's giving them another I would say like um, another avenue to hide from their emotions and repress what they're really feeling and let me go shopping why because I've been there and I speak from experience. Yeah, and you've got a fab story that you're going to tell us soon. So yeah, (laughs) defo, agree. And then the second assumption is shopping for fashion can give people highs. Is that true or false? Yes, it does. Yes. And why? Again, I've definitely, personally, I've experienced too, because it's, you get this adrenaline rush it's like imagine being on a roller coaster and like super excited and then it's just like a huge relief whenever you reach the bottom huge mm. hit of dopamine i should say yeah no it's so interesting because people who don't get it there are actually research and studies now where people track shoppers face and their uh, facial muscle muscles and compare it to actual like drug uh users and it's the same sort of highs that people describe, which is so interesting. Oh, it is. <laughs> awesome. So then the third assumption is a fashion addiction is not as bad as a gambling or drug addiction. False. I believe it actually is as bad as gambling and a drug addiction. Because, again, from experience, <laughs> being let's see, addicted to alcohol, to addicted to drugs, and then fashion addictions, like all the same realm and feelings that I was suppressing came out Mm. in my, those addictions. Mm. I guess an addiction is an addiction, isn't it? Depending, well, it doesn't really matter what it is, but it's the same principles. interesting stuff so for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better it will be amazing if you introduced us to yourself a little bit about your background and how you found your way into sustainable fashion okay so a little bit about my background all starts with I've always wanted to be in fashion since I was 10 years old and I did study fashion design. I built my own brand. And currently what I'm doing is I'm a public speaker, life coach, sustainable consultant, and also with a a master tailor as well. And the way I got into sustainable fashion, I would, besides studying it and starting my own brand, I I would say 2015, because let's start with the physical aspects, the physical. So in 2015, is when I saw the movie True Cost. And at that point, I had just built my brand starting in Dallas, Texas. I had a women's wear lifestyle, dresses, suits, 
And then after watching the movie, I realized how naive and angry I was because I didn't realize all the things that were actually happening in the fashion industry. And then I started researching, seeing what's going on. But then there's another side of it, which is the psychological part of it. When I was 26 years old, I got a phone call from my brother saying, hey, Isabel, I just heard from the car insurance company, your car's about to get repossessed. And I, you know, said, oh, no, it's okay. There's nothing wrong. It's, you know, it's just, it's just expenses from my business. You know, just, I'm okay. So as soon as I hung up the phone, my whole dream of becoming this famous fashion designer, being globally recognized, owning millions of stores, just crumbled right in front of me. And all I could think was, oh, shoot. Because the truth was, the debt wasn't. Isaac, I actually hadn't paid my rent, my bills, my car, my utilities. For three months now, I was live, living from one boyfriend's house to the next. And it wasn't just $10,000 or $30,000. It was $100,000 of debt in clothing. That's right. Gosh. It wasn't, and it didn't even include any business expenses in there. Let's just talk about it was $100,000 of debt. So those two things, offset, those were two really huge pivotal times in my life, watching the movie Turk Cost and also realizing, oh, shoot, I'm addicted to fashion. Uh, that really turned my life around, which brings me to today because I'm my mission is to empower people to have a more a better relationship with themselves, which correlates to having a better relationship with the clothing that you wear that also makes a healthier planet because everything is tied together. And currently I'm actually just rebranded my website to offer those services as a life coach, um, sustainable consultant, public speaking, and also working for two other companies that actually are part of the positive solution that I offer because I do believe tailoring alterations is another way to actually be sustainable for your actual, for your wardrobe. And that company is called Alter New. And then I'm working for a ethically, they actually pay their, they pay their wages, they pay their employees proper wages. And it's a, a manufacturer here, all women own manufacturer here in um, Long Island city. So I do a few things, but that my main goal is to share my story, help others so they can learn and to learn from my mistakes. <laughs> yeah, no, that is so extreme. But this is what has to be heard to, for people to understand this could go like super, super downhill as it kind of did to, for yours. Like you've got, you had such a... Um, a successful brand you were stocked in so many stores known for so uh, many awards and stuff and it's crazy because thinking that you are a fashion business owner you would have kind of known how to also manage your finances right so I'm really interested into how this accumulation of debt because you know 100k is such a big number so yeah I mean I guess that was also a good point for you to um to raise because that was that turning that turning point for you to realize like from fashion addiction to now a sustainable fashion advocate that was so important and I think it's so um inspiring and a unique story to share so it is amazing um yeah so in terms of that aspect of personal finance you know I'm interested to know how that accumulated and 
how you know uh tumbled down and took you back a few steps in in life oh yes definitely would love to share that so let's first start my first purchase of clothing was at 16 years old because i was working at a retail store so then i got into the habit that every single paycheck was going right back into the actual retail store to buy something so i and i started realizing oh this is making me this makes me happy and also every time i would buy something new i would also get that besides a rush of adrenaline once i actually wore the clothing i felt loved i felt pretty and i felt all these things that deep down inside i wasn't really feeling about myself but i used clothing as my mask so i kept going going up 19 years old i ended up taking a year off of college i moved to houston texas i was working in retail again and this is when i first i got my first set of credit cards because i think you know you're working i was like oh you know i need to you build up my credit score what i'm thinking is like oh yes i can actually buy more things and you because if i can't pay right now ah i can pay later so the, this is where it first started <laughs> um i got a gap credit card one of those banana republic i had a visa and then two other ones i couldn't remember i probably like a best buy or some something just to <laughs> so i will let me rationalize and let me get something that may be useful. No, I just use my other cards. I first, I ended up, <laughs> oh man, I maxed out my first credit card and I only had a thousand dollars because obviously my credit score was just beginning, starting to build it. And then this wasn't a good thing, but my parents did help me out with that first card. And then it kind of gave me this, okay, let me try again. I'm not going to do this again. You know, let me, let me be better. No. Now, when I went back to school and finished college and everything, finished my year off, started picking up some other cards. I built some of my credit, but now let's say it's like I had a 1500 a $2,000 credit, credit um, limit started buying clothes but then in between i'd rationalize with myself oh um well i need this because of a b or c and then so i continued this habit all the way through even through my business so how i would rationalize with my business so i had one card for my business expenses quote unquote but then i had four other cards with all clothing and the way i kept them open i kept transferring my balances to other cards so it was this constant cycle of rationalizing with myself saying that well i need this i'm in the fashion industry i have to look good and i have to make sure i fit in so i have to buy these vintage pieces i started at first and then i started moving to more expensive designer pieces and I just kept going with that cycle. I kept transferring balances. I would call just, um, I'll call the credit card companies. You know, I'm having a hardship right now. I can't really pay. But then the next day I would spend even more money. So it was, <laughs> it was let me tell you, it was, a, it was a vicious cycle I was putting myself into. So, and that, that just, it just kept continuing. And then it wasn't until, um, 
it just really, it really got out of hand and I didn't want to see it because there were times I would get those, those really huge, the huge hit of dopamine as soon as I would walk in the stores and I had a game that I would play with myself. I had a goal. I would say, okay, I, well, I'm not happy because let's just say, for example, the date didn't go well with the boyfriend or something. So the next day I'd be really upset, but instead of dealing with it, I would suppress it. Then I'd go to the store and my game was, I'm going to go to every single rack. I have to go quickly and I have to pick as many pieces as I want to, you know, that I think will look good. And I wouldn't stop until I got to the fitting room. So I have huge piles of clothing in both of my hands. And then, then I started another game in my head saying, okay, now I'm going to try all of them really fast. And like, this will be really fun. And like, um, in the dressing rooms and then once I was finished, then I would quickly calculate in my head, not really doing a really good job. And then I would start to get this dreadful feeling of, oh, shoot, I don't know if I, did I pay the bill last time? Oh, I don't know. I Hopefully my card won't decline. So I'm getting this dreadful feeling, but then I would rationalize and say, well, I can pay it off. And again, I probably did that over a million times until I got to this huge amount of debt leading me to, wow, not only did I have this debt and that hit me in the face, like, hello, wake up. Mm. At the same time, it was also a sign. It's like, I'm also doing business the wrong way. And I had an investor, but it was also another lesson because I lost that investor simultaneously the same time whenever I was finding out when I found when I finally faced my issue. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's the universe works in interesting ways. It's like, Hey, Isabel, you're going to keep going. Or you're going to stop. I was like, mm. I think I'm going to stop now. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's mad. No, it's very interesting to also understand what went through your head when you go through all these, all these thought process, even though sometimes you know that you shouldn't be, but then at the end of the day, you still did. And I was also wondering, because you mentioned um, like reason A, B, and C, and then it rationalized. What was the reasons? Because you said maybe reason one was like the fashion industry um, making you feel like you had to have these sort of things. And especially as a designer, uh, you, you needed to look a certain way for like press and media and whatnot. But I was interested, what are the other, other reasons? Oh, okay. So the other reasons were to look sexy for men. So, and then it kind of ties into... I was also very insecure. And I, one thing I really hated was having really small boobs. And so I ended up getting breast implants and that actually was um, four years before 26. Yeah. between. So it was like, I got them at 22. And then because I want it, it's like, so with the boobs, now I have what I want, but now it's going to make my clothes fit and look better for right. And also to get women. So it was like this. And also to have women be jealous of my style and how I look, because now I look quote unquote more Latina. And uh, this is, this was the rationalizations I was thinking in my head. And then mm. I'm going to fit in with all these women because I was so insecure. I'd rather be around men because I never felt enough. So it's, it was that those were the A, B's and C's. Wow, that's interesting. 
Yeah, no, I get that. And I get also, I guess that's how fashion helps play that mask that you were talking about. Because it could be the only sort of escapism to um, face those insecurities. But then if it's not, um, the feelings are not processed, it's quite hard to face them. And you actually mentioned off recording a little bit um, about documentaries that you're working on, right? In In terms of documenting that process of, um, getting the implants and why you did and I guess yeah like you said now it's removed right oh yes so last year August 14th 2020 I got them removed during the pandemic so it was a little it was a little it was actually not a little it was risky but I had been on the waiting list to get them out for a year and a half because there's so many women getting their breast implants out And that was also another really difficult thing to face too. Um, And the way that actually started was I also saw another documentary on ocean plastics and then realizing, oh shoot, if that's hurting the planet, then I looked down and said, oh my God, I have these plastic things that have been chilling in my body for 15 years because they're not, oh, and at the same time, I'd been feeling really bad with all kinds of just different illnesses, autoimmune diseases. The doctors really didn't know what the heck I had. And in my head, I was like, man, I wonder what's going on. And then all of a sudden I Googled issues with breast implants and then boom, that opened a whole new, I would say Pandora's box. Everything just came out of all these different breast implant illnesses, women that were really sick and had the same issues and, um, did like illnesses like me. It's like, Oh, wait, I'm not the only one. And then that just led me down this other path of figuring out, wow, I'm still hurting myself and I need to get these out. But it, that even that process, and that's when I started documenting, not really in my head thinking, oh, I'm going to make a documentary, but just how difficult it was to actually face the emotions. And then after a, a year, so once I booked my surgery, it was this huge relief. And then that's when I finally decided, oh no, everyone needs to know this story as well. So that's, I've been just compiling doc, uh, I've been compiling different videos. And then also the really, really cool thing is how many other women ha- are have and are going through the same thing. And the next part of the documentary or one of my next project, I should say is hearing my story, but also hearing the story of us, the stories of others, because as soon as I took them out, I, I was sharing the journey on Instagram and stories. Hmm. And there were three different people that reached three women that reached out to me and said, Hey, Isabel, I, you know, I just heard your story. I'm 18 years old. And I just canceled my consultation because I heard what you just went through. So I, I realized, oh my, and then there's another woman that was asking me, you know, my more information about the surgeon, the process, all these things. And she actually just got her breast implants out. And then there's another woman that also reached out and said, oh my God, I've been thinking about getting these breast implants. And, but I just heard, and you just, I just researched it on my own, Isabel. It's like, thanks for sharing your story. So then that's what really, 
it, it inspired me to keep sharing because it's not just, it's not just my story, even though I say it's my story, it's, it's, it is, it's everyone's story. Everyone goes through those insecurities issues. We all think about changing our bodies because we don't like something that we see. So, yeah. oh yes, that was, um, yes, yeah, so I'm excited for that next part. Cause I, I, yeah. I have the information for myself, like my own things, but now, now I'm going to be interviewing other women to hear about their stories and what they had to go through. No, I definitely love that because it's actually also scary that recently there were some posts on Instagram that I saw and it was about young kids as as young as like seven or eight years old and they'll be uh, cutting themselves with a razor because they wanted to remove, you know, their leg hair and stuff. And I think that goes down, you know, on so many levels and it's so, so sad that people are now growing up as so young thinking that they have to fit in in a certain way to please people they don't even know or yeah this goes down on so many levels and I think yeah what you're doing is so so inspiring because it allows other people to connect as well and especially when when uh people um they don't openly want to say these things so when they do hear that other people are facing the same thoughts and having the same thought processes it definitely um helps so yeah no what you've done is incredible and even personally uh, when I watched your first documentary about fashion addiction I connected on so many ways because naturally I'm an introvert and I feel like sometimes fashion is a good way for me to also express things that I necessarily might not want to say even like that time when I was younger, I would be so caught up in social media as well and having this online persona. And now that I've completely stopped, because funny enough, I went on holiday in to back in China and they don't have um, social media, so it's all blocked. So when I was there, it literally, I was like a, yeah, an Instagram addict. And then when I went there for two weeks, it was a deep cleanse. I couldn't go on. And I think that was such a good good thing for me though it just helped cleanse in a way I mean for an extreme it's just like taking a, a phone off a teenager um but no it did wonders and I think after also watching your documentary I literally cried so to every all of the listeners who should go watch it um honestly it's it's so inspiring it definitely connects on so many levels because you you know you touch upon your journey and at so many crucial points and I felt each and every point and it's yeah it's amazing um but no I definitely highly recommend but yeah yeah so in terms of you know that relationship with our feelings and our emotions and that relationship to fashion what would you recommend others in terms of building a healthier relationship to clothing um, but first, I did want to say thank you for your support in watching the documentary. And it also means a lot, too, because it's and con- it's a confirmation for myself to keep sharing, mm. keep sharing. And I just wanted to say thank you to that, too. And for being honest, for sharing about the Instagram addiction, because I'll raise my hand, too. I've been there as well. Yeah, <laughs> I could definitely relate to that, too. And. So in terms of building a better relationship, so a few steps, it's, it's like separating, let's see, hold on, let me see, I'm saying in a better word. So it all, it really all begins with us internally because, and understanding that nothing material 
will ever fill that empty void and learn from my mistakes because I tried <laughs> and the material that I was wanting to escape to was the clothing and also the more that we build that self-love with ourselves it's understanding that we're beautiful just the way we are and I know we hear that all the time right but it's it actually is true and the beauty really does come within even though yes again we hear that all the time and knowing that we're all going to make mistakes and as I like to say there's a separation right ourselves our core, our soul is always good and lovable. We can't break that. You know, we're, that's that's us. But what we're working on is our actions, our intentions, our behaviors, and our thoughts. And that's what we're working on. Because even though I messed up, I made mistakes, I'm still a good and lovable person. However, I've got to change my behaviors. That's no good. <laughs> so that's so separating that. Because before I even started counseling and I say thank you to he's now my, my mentor. He's the one that was inspiration. He's the inspiration for behind every, all the work that I do. And also he helped me to save my own life. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's understanding that part first that you're good and lovable regardless, and where you're going to make mis make mistakes. And when we, the more we take care of ourselves as well, we also want to take care of our clothing. So it's, it's working our shadow. It's, it's that shadow work, looking at our past and really going in within, because then what comes out is your, your true self. And then you taking care of yourself. You're loving yourself. You're respecting yourself more that goes on to the clothing because now you're appreciating the art of it, the, how it's constructed. You want to take care of it more and you invest in your clothing because now you're investing in yourself. And then all of that actually helps the planet all in one. Yeah. So it's a win-win for everyone. Whenever we start to see, look, we're beautiful with or without the clothing that we wear. Um, and that's a message that I send out to everyone. And the first, and there's always five things that I share with people at my diff, uh, presentations that I give is one besides the introspection, because we've got to do introspection on our, we have to do that work. But when we see, when we look at clothing too, if you need something new, shop in your closet, because we only wear 20% of our clothing 80% of the time. We're always wearing our favorite things. And to shop at thrift stores, if you need something fixed, alterations. So it's, it's changing your behaviors and your thoughts towards how you see clothing. And going back to how we should have seen clothing in the past is it's a piece of art and there's human hands that have made it and to appreciate it, appreciate those pieces as you're appreciating yourself as well. Hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, no, that is actually so um, similar to a, a quote that I actually picked out from the documentary that I wanted to also highlight. So I loved it at the end of the whole uh, journey that you documented and shared you said that I had to slow down and learn to enjoy the things I was wearing and I was like yes this is literally it and it was 
about kind of what you mentioned, really looking within and connecting with that before then you can also really appreciate the fashion that you truly want to wear because most of the time, you know, trends are there for a reason. Trends are there for that social approval, that social, I don't know, like likable, likability. I mean, at the end of the day, we are all social creatures and it's definitely understandable, but to really appreciate even trendy things, you know, to actually really preach the craftsmanships around it and the actual piece is so much more, uh, there's more, there's more depth in it that I think is, is often overlooked when we do consume. So that is, yeah, an amazing point. Um, amazing. And I also love the fact that you mentioned, you know, fashion as an art form, because you do so much work and you use fashion as an art medium, I suppose, into communicating your messages, which is amazing. So in back in 2018, you opened a closed-minded exhibition, which was fab. I'm so sad that I've never, I'm too far away and I didn't get to visit, but you had some amazing pieces there. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think that was really impactful and so much insight into the creations so yeah take us back to that exhibition and if you could describe to us um as also the listeners because I think it would be super interesting to to craft the space through audio um yeah describe us describe to us the space the pieces and what we could have expected if we had visited the exhibition okay so that was such a that was another pivotal time in in my life too. So 2018 closed minded. The reason I wanted to do an exhibition one, because I love art and I did see fashion as art, but that was very minimal. Now, now we had to, now we had to switch it over. Now it's like, oh my gosh, actually it is, it is beautiful. So with closed minded, the whole goal was to do two things to share the story of fashion addiction and how we are affected by the clothing, um, the clothing that we wear and what we're doing and how it affects the planet. And then the other part was to introduce people to that new perspective of understanding that our relationship with ourselves correlates the relationship with the clothing that we wear. And that will also affect our planet. So going back Oh, actually, I wanted to add one thing. What's interesting is when I first moved to New York, there was, it was like in the summer, I'm standing at the High Line and I looked up and I remember saying that, wow, those are some really cool spaces. You know, it'd be kind of cool if I could have an art, do something creative or some art show. Mm-hmm. And then seven years later, Closed Minded was born. I wanted to share that tidbit because sometimes whenever we say things, things get manifested. It's like whenever it's supposed to happen, it happens, right? So with closed minded, it was a huge open space. And when you were, if you walk in, the first thing you're going to see are two 10 foot giants. I call them my giants. (laughs) And they were actually created well I let's start with the mannequins I actually commissioned a let's see they're they're called Andy's model Andy's model forms and he was still making dress forms from paper mache and customizing and making them by hand 
So that I thought was really amazing. And when I shared with him the project, he was open and nervous because it's something that he's never done. But I shared with him, look, I've never done this either, but I have this, I, we have to do this. Are you open? So that was one. And then two, there's this other woman that helped me to the patterns to making huge 10 foot garments. You know, I was like, you know, I haven't done this either. And I expressed, look, I haven't either. It doesn't have to be perfect. And that was a message I shared with everyone because I haven't done this, but there was this fire inside of me. It's like, I have to share this and it has to be through these pieces. So with these 10 foot giants, after the, after the mannequin was built, after the pattern making, there was a woman giant, there was a woman giant, there's a, there's a man giant with the woman I created a dress and the man had a suit and the outer pieces were actually 10,000 scraps of clothing. And they were from my personal wardrobe. No way. And also about three trash bag filled of clothing from my apartment complex because I found so many people throwing away clothing here, brand new, like Lululemon with tags on no. them in the, it, outside of the dumpsters. Like, what so what? <laughs> that was, so those pieces thank you or <laughs> create they actually were the ones that created the outer parts of the garments and then the same thing with um with the man and the woman represented the earth at land mm. and the man was the ocean and that whole concept was to show and that was in 2010 it was 10.5 billion tons of textile waste in our landfills but now it's increased to i think it's 11.3 now but it was to show how much how how destructive it is when we don't really appreciate what we're wearing and our obsession with consumerism and with the event i had a lot of different um like facts of information and then so you go to the next space i had one that was representing the tree of life, but also speaking about diversity and inclusion in the industry. And I've had my own personal experience of, you know, I, the way I would, what I always believe was clothes should be for every woman, color, race, dis anybody, it doesn't matter who you are. And I would always make it a point to have all kinds of different women from all over the world, backgrounds, anything. And I actually got criticized by lots of different photographers, people in the industry saying, you know, you should hire real models. Mm -hmm. And I said, I represent real women. And you know what, please don't take any pictures. I don't want you or anything part of oh my, my like what I'm, my business or doing anything. Like, please don't take any pictures. So it was, and then people in the industry too, being really racist against models I was using to represent my brand. So I want to put a story out there like for the tree of life. And I had a, my friend that actually helped me do that too, to help me create this, it was out of paper mache and chicken wire. <laughs> um, this tree of life, an abstract tree of life and images of everyone and ev different models, people that I've worked with to represent it. It's for everyone. Mm. And then you, if you're walking through this space, I also had this wall that says solutions and actions it. because yeah. it was important for me you know people go to events or they they hear like motivational speakers but 
what's next, right? You hear that you're really excited, but then now what? So something that I did with that event was I want people to write down what their next action step is after hearing everything that they've seen and then what, uh, writing a solution for what, you know, what they can do in their life. So I had that as well. So that everyone filled out this huge paper, writing down their, their ideas, their thoughts, what they learned. I also partnered up with, her name is Asher J. So she's really big into plastic pollution. She's a National Geographic Explorer. She also displayed some of her plastic bottles because she also does art with her plastic bottles. So she had her own section. And then as you walk to the back of the gallery, I had this, it was a it's seven feet by 29 feet. So seven feet high by 29 um, foot long closed wall maze, I call it. Mm. And that took the viewers through my mental, emotional journey with all the clothing as well. And that I had six different spots with um, the six different parts of my video. So they were able to see the progression of where it's where I started mentally all the way to the end. And then how I made the closed wall maze is in the beginning, it was overwhelming. So the, the, the actual wall was high, seven feet tall. But then once you got to the end, it's like a whole new world. And um, it wasn't so overwhelming. So, and then it got lower to about maybe like two feet high off the ground. And just to allow the user to understand my journey. Some people made it all the way through, some people didn't. That was what was really interesting because I got a lot of different feedback that day from men, from different women. Um, I had another friend that also shared her, her story. So it was really, really impactful because that was actually the first time I showed the documentary oh there as well hmm. and actually letting others see it not just me like you know myself and the filmmaker that helped me with the documentary um and then i also had a section for my my counselor my pretty he's my mentor now he's retired but my mentor had his own section and history and what he's done as well um and what else I was to say that's that was oh yeah I hope I hope that was I hope you can understand like the details and get a picture but that was the the closed-minded event yeah I've only seen in images that you showed me and it absolutely sucks I wouldn't I wasn't there physically because that was yeah it was insane just to to see the video and the images I mean my favorite piece was that fashion addict maze because I think it's that engaging element too. It's when you go through, go through and engage with the piece as well and watch, I guess, the, the different parts of the documentary. Um, there's something about that that makes it more uh, relatable to learn and relatable uh, in general. So I think maybe this is also me trying to manifest it to my little universe as well because I love that idea of engaging to educate because, yeah, like, I've always wanted to have and develop a concept store whereby um, we take 
the the viewer on a journey in how um, anima animus's clothes would have been made so for example if it was organic cotton transform that whole room into like a cotton field and educate them in different ways and have them engage in the whole processes from a to z and that would be so so cool but yeah maybe that's my little manifestation for the future but who knows how that will go <laughs> um let's throw it out there yes because it's I, I I believe you definitely should do that because that's a really cool concept because it'll be new, something new, and it's coming from you. So I'm throwing it out there too. Yay, let's claim it. Let's claim it. We're currently catching and throwing. <laughs> I love it. No, that's definitely the energy that we need here in, in this space. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. Um, But if it was, if there was one message that you hoped your viewers took away from that exhibition what would it be oh so one thing hold on it may be one really long one (laughs) (laughs) i would say most importantly it's oh hold on let me see i would say my the mission that's behind my whole the whole brand and everything that i do is the the more that we're able to build a better relationship with ourselves we'll build a better relationship with the clothing that we wear that also helps the planet. Mm. And I'm going to make it long. (laughs) And that we're able to overcome any adversities in our life and to learn from my mistakes because you're not alone. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Amazing. And I guess in the, on the topic of also solutions and actions. So what would you also advise to your younger self knowing what you know now? Oh, this is like, I love this question. So many things. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would say, Isabel, you're good enough with or without the clothing that you're wearing and you don't have to fit in. What's more important is to be you and be and show and embody your true self because that's what that's what's unique and then you have a fest you have a special story that you need to share with the world and don't get those boobs that you're thinking about getting please watch those finances with the credit card you don't need 300 pairs of shoes and you don't need a closet with every single color of the rainbow in different hues, tints. And <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And to it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging, but start working on your self-love. Mm, major. And for those who have listened to the journey now and maybe have also are currently in the process of what you've mentioned so just maybe in the middle of the journey that you've shared how would you recommend them in finding help to uh, complete that journey you know like uh, maybe if they are thinking of um, getting those boobs or maybe they're already currently in depth like where did you find your help and how did you kind of come out of that depth and what would you 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 know like recommend to others if they if they don't have help now and they they know that they've got a problem and they now need to make those actions for a better path oh this is a great question so a few things um 
the good thing is whenever we do start to realize we do need help, it is scary to take that path. It's like, oh my God, I do need help. But knowing that you're not alone, there's, and to seek those professional help, a counselor, life coaching, because he was a huge turning point in my life. And now what I'm doing is with my life coaching practices, that's what I'm sharing. The process that I used that he created is now what I'm sharing. And then I have like different homeworks and things. So that's one avenue and, and I'll be sharing, I'm building my YouTube content, which I'm going to be releasing on my birthday, June 22nd. Amazing. Um, oh my God, but, wait, what? June 22nd? Yeah, June 22nd. I'm June 23rd. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. Yes. Ooh, summer baby. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's so there's one avenue if they want to hear the stories. I also will have different like guides and PDFs that they can download, homeworks that they can do. Um and besides that is also something that helped me even to get to the process of actually looking for counseling because I knew I had a problem. Um, writing and journaling helped me just to get everything down because it was difficult to, or at least I found it difficult because I didn't want to hear, or I didn't want people to tell me what I wanted to hear. And I had too much of that. Mm. And it's like, I just wish someone would be honest. I was like, I'm just going to write down, like, these are the issues that I'm having. Um, once there was that trigger with that phone call, I finally, with still a lot of fear, I looked at all my debt. It's like, I have to look at this as hard as it's going to be. We have to go through the pain and those really uncomfortable feelings to get to the other side where there's light. And it's knowing that and trusting that when you do look at those issues as painful and as difficult and as scary it is, you will be able to get through it. And the more honest you can be, you'll start to feel better. And it's, I call it like defrosting yourself because there is light on the other side. And that's what I can share. It does take work and it is understanding that it is going to be uncomfortable, but being as a, as comfortable as you can be in in feeling uncomfortable mm. is something that I want to share as and that there is light on the other side we have to go through that dark to go to to the light it's something I stress out stress a lot mm. yeah definitely needs to be uh, voiced because it is hard even the first step to acknowledging that you need help is hard um but yeah no there's always help and we are never alone. So that's really important. Amazing. I can't believe that our, our hour is nearly up. It has been a wild, wild roller coaster, and we've learned a ton from you and your journey and all the work that you shared. It's, it's been amazing. Um, but what is next for you? What's next for Isabel? Okay. Um, so I have rebranded my website. It's already on isabelvarela.com. It's open. <laughs> and, and the next thing that I'm working on is just, I'm building my content. I already have videos for my YouTube. So YouTube, my YouTube page will be out on June 22nd. Um, so very soon. And then just the breast implant, explant documentary 
And then I'm working on my next art project, which is going to be a view into how we're emotionally connected to clothing. And just like a tidbit of it, the reason the doc, the fashion addict documentary was even born was because I started, I needed to declutter my closet and I found how difficult it was because the reason it was so difficult was, well, one, it's always hard to part with something you enjoy. But the real reason was because I'm, I'm giving away and also letting go of an old part of myself because I'm not that person anymore. Oh, so, so my next art project will be dealing with how people are connected to their clothing emotionally and then also taking their stories and it'll be a large scale production, but how all of us in the world are connected through clothing by like this one thread and just how their emotions how we see it, how we wear it and people that make it. So it's like everyone's connected in the world. So it's, it'll be that that's gonna, that's, um, I would say it's in the beginning stages mm. and feel figuring out all the logistics for that. Yeah. Sounds amazing. No, I'm so excited for your next pieces of work. Um, whether it be the documentary, the art pieces, uh, you've you're always you've always got some cool things to share so yeah definitely for our listeners to check you out but where can our listeners find you like where what's the best place to follow you on Ooh, okay so on uh, on instagram i my my handle is i am isabel varela and then actually that's across facebook pinterest I just got a TikTok, but I don't have anything on there yet because I'm, I'm building that content right now. And then uh, on my website, isabelvarela.com. And on there, you can actually subscribe to my YouTube. So you're ready and prepared for when it's when it gets launched. Amazing. No, that's so, so exciting. I definitely have to subscribe to you too because I just started also exploring the whole YouTube space. It's definitely scary from podcasting to videos, um, but it's the time. So yeah, no, this is going to be so, so exciting. Um, Yeah, thank you so much again for joining me on the AA podcast. It has been such a blessing. Oh my God, thank you so much. This This has been really amazing and I really appreciate the opportunity and thank you so much for all your support. And I'm excited for you as well. So I want to stay updated and I'll be subscribing to your YouTube channel. So I'm really excited for all everything that you're doing. Yay. No, we are both winning. <laughs> yes. Hashtag women empowering women. Woo! <laughs> love it. Love it. So we may have stopped talking, but that doesn't mean you have to. Join us and the rest of the AA fam on our website at animaanimus.co.uk to connect and continue the conversation within our forum spaces. Please do drop me what your thoughts were on this episode. You can even submit any voice notes, ideas, or stories that you'd like me to share on the show. You can also find all the links we've mentioned in this episode in the show notes available on our website. And I would be so, so grateful if you could help me make this show become more discoverable for others by leaving a five-star review on your favorite episode and a social media handle I can contact you with because I would love to connect and thank you all personally. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thank you so much again for coming through and for listening. I really appreciate you joining this journey with me in driving discussions 
and creating positive industry change. Once again, I want to send you all mad, mad love. And until next week, this was the Anima Animas podcast with Chelsea now signing out.